I'm sure this is a familiar scenario to many of you. Kids were young in this family and they wanted to get a puppy. So they convinced their parents that they would surely take care of the puppy. They would feed it. They would make sure it was cleaned up after. So they went and they got a puppy, a Great Dane puppy. And you can figure this out. As time went by, the kids began to lose interest, as children often do. They had named the dog Danny. It was their pet, and they loved it. But they wandered away, and the person that was left cleaning up after the dog, taking care of the dog, was Mom. It was too much for her, so she decided that Danny, the dog, needed a new home. She gathered the children that day and said to them, you know, it's time that Danny moved on and had a new home. The children were kind of dead-faced and didn't say much. She looked at them to say, well, he's too much work for one person. You're not living up to your end of the bargain in this. He's too much to take care of. I just can't do it all. One of the children looked at her and said, well, you know, if he wasn't so messy, Mom, and he didn't need so much, would you think about letting us keep him? No, she said, I'm resolved in this. It's time for Danny to move on to a new home. One of the children suddenly burst into tears, running down her face and said, Oh, Mommy, Mommy, we thought you said Daddy, not Danny. <laughs> Welcome to Father's Day 2015. It is Father's Day. It always amazes me in announcements. Those things go by me till someone says, Happy Father's Day. Oh, yeah, that's today. Father's Day. Father's. It is fitting that in our series, Credo, we come to the Father today. And especially as we think about names of those kids confusing the name of Danny and Daddy, how often we think of the importance of a name. After all, wasn't it Juliet who lamented over her Romeo's last name, Montague, who said, a rose by any other name would smell as sweet, but would it? Names are important in our life. Names are identification versus labels that we often throw on people that we don't know and to keep them at a distance. Names mean for us identification, but more than that, names mean relationship. It's interesting if you go back into Genesis and look again at the story of creation, that after God created Adam, the first thing he did was name him that, Adam. He gave him a name. He established the relationship that he had with that creation. And then God gave to Adam a task of naming, that he would then name all the animals that God had created. Again, creating a relationship that Adam would have with those animals. Names are so important in our lives. The old adage that kids often say, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me isn't true. Because when someone throws at us maybe a label or something made up to tease us, to identify us, and doesn't know our name and doesn't use it and abuses us because of it, it hurts. It hurts deep down into our core. <coughs> Names are important. And today in our series, we look at the name that we have been given for God the Father is the name that Jesus told us to call God by. Father, identifying a relationship for us, identifying who he is to each one of us. Now, I know the psychology behind that word, Father, that often we talk about in people's lives and identifying who God is to them. 
The idea that if your earthly father was someone who didn't have a good relationship with you, somebody maybe who was abusive, somebody who treated you badly, it's hard to identify them with God as being our father. But I often look at it as a comfort for isn't it true that any one of us on this earth who are human fathers know that we are imperfect in that role, that we have made many mistakes, that we have done things that we are not proud of. I am so comforted by the fact that God is our true father, that he is the one who gives us the role that we should try to live up to, and that he, above all, the father of lights, as James says, who from all things come, all good and perfect gifts, is the one who is the true father that we can all look to in our need. I thought maybe it would be appropriate then, as we talk about God our father, to look then at the first article of the Apostles' Creed and to Luther's explanation there to see what it is that we mean when we call God our Father. So if you'd put that first one on the screen. We say these words we just did this morning. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. Luther asked the Lutheran question, what does this mean? It means, as we say here, that God has made me and all creatures. Made me. You know, if I'm the maker of something, I know what it is I have made. I know intimately what I have done. The Bible talks about God being the potter and we being the clay, the one who has formed us, the one who understands us, the one who knows how we work. If God is my maker, surely then this Father knows How I am put together knows, as the Bible says, my frailties, remembers, as the scripture said, that we are dust, knows how easily we are broken, how easily we are helpless. This Father knows us intimately in this relationship so that he can strengthen and care for us. But more than that, Luther goes on to say that he has given me my body and soul, eyes and ears, and all my members, my reason, and all my senses, and still takes care of them. You see, the Father is the giver and carer, not only for the things of this world, but for the internal things within me, the things that no one else can see, the things that only I know about and that he knows about. You know, when I was a kid, after I got out of high school, I worked in my parents' home remodeling their kitchen. And I had to strip it all down to the bare walls and put back everything and rewire it and do all those things that needed to be done to make an old house up to date. I say that because as that person who knows intimately what is in that kitchen, I can still to this day tell you what wires are behind what wall, where they are, where switches are, how things are attached, what kind of structure is behind that. So it is with our God who has given us all these things, our reason, our member, our eyes and ears. He knows how we are put together, what is in us. He knows how the frailty of life and unfortunately the ravages of inherited sin take its toll on our eyes and ears and our members and our bodies age and things break down and diseases take us. And yet our Heavenly Father, the one who is that Father, knows us and cares for us. 
We move on to the next slide where Luther goes on to say, now the external things that God cares for in our lives, that he also gives me clothing and shoes, food and drink, house and home, wife and children, land, animals, and all that I have, that he richly and daily provides me with all that I need to support this body and life. How true we know on Father's Day that earthly fathers often are neglectful in these things. In fact, neglect, neglectful to the point of abuse. How many fatherless children are there out there who have no home and no food, who a father hasn't provided for or hasn't cared for or has abandoned them and hasn't cared for their external needs and the things that are important for them to have in life? And yet our heavenly Father, the one from whom all things come, the one who blesses us, who loves us, who knows us intimately, who has formed this relationship with us, provides all these things on the earth, provides generously for them. I often say it's not because God doesn't have these things happen on his planet. There is plenty of food and plenty of things that God provides through his spirit to renew in the seasons and the crops and everything else. It is because of our human greed and because of things that we have done and others have done and evil that there are those who are starving and helpless and in need. It is our job as people related to this true father, the father of lights, to be people who look to provide those things for people who don't have that need. It doesn't do enough for us, Luther says, that we pray for our neighbor down the street, oh Lord, help my neighbor, he needs food, he needs shelter, he needs help. But we are the ones that God has enabled to be those people, to be recipients of what the Father has given us, that we may be people to connect them again in that relationship and point back to the one who has truly blessed us. Luther goes on then to say that he defends me against all danger and guards and protects me from all evil. You know, I hope as we say those words today that there are some of you that are saying, you know, Pastor, that's kind of hard for me to believe. Evil and danger and things have taken its toll in my life. And the statement there says that God would defend me and guard me from those things, and that didn't happen. And you see, there's kind of the problem that happens with us in life. If something befalls us, we have the ability to say, if it isn't true in my life, then it isn't true in general. God is the one who tells us that he does these things for us. God is the one who has established this. God is who he says he is, not who we say he is. You know, I'm sure each one of us as earthly parents or earthly fathers would love nothing more than to be able to protect our children from all harm and danger in their lives. When they hurt, we hurt. But we know that that isn't the case. And we know also, if we put our children in a bubble and isolated them so from life, they would never develop things in their characters as strength and perseverance. They would never know what true compassion means or true work and the satisfaction that comes with it and the things that go on. And so it is our Heavenly Father though he allows things to come into our lives, knows that they are things that will benefit us in the end. 
Look at that word again, that he defends me against all danger and guards and protects me from all evil. That word defends means to be at my side. You know, isn't the scripture full of many things where it says, when you go through the waters, I am with you. When you pass through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. It doesn't say we won't go through these things, that we won't pass through the waters, that we won't go through the shadow of the valley of the shadow of death, but God will go with us. Our Father has promised to guard and defend, to be at our side to strengthen us in our need just as any earthly parent would do for their own children, to be the one to help them, to comfort them, to supply their need, to wipe the tears from their eyes. So it is that our Heavenly Father, the one who gives us all good things, does the same for us and in so much more. I said again, it's important that we remember God is not who we say He is. He is who he says he is. What do I mean by that? We are not the ones who define who our Heavenly Father is. He has told us in his word who he is. So much more than we could ever imagine. No more than if I would say my Father because of things that I do or my life experience still isn't who he is. He is who he is regardless of me. His identity is secure. So it is that our Heavenly Father's identity is what he says it is. We must remember that he guards, that he protects, that he cares, that he loves, that he provides in all circumstances. It is our job as his children to look beyond ourselves and look beyond the circumstances to see where he has done these things, to trust him, to know that he will provide all these things. And as we go on then, Luther parenthetically on the next slide asks the question, why? Does God the Father do all these things? All this he does only out of fatherly divine goodness and mercy, without any merit or worthiness in me. He is who he is. He loves us unconditionally. Again, not because of anything we have done. Nor do we love our children because they've been good or they have been the perfect child. We love them unconditionally because they are our children. So our Heavenly Father loves us because we are children. Children made that way through the relationship that His own Son has created for you and for me by His death and resurrection. Jesus is called the true Son of the Father, the true heir. But by his death, by his resurrection, by his blood, by our being adopted into the family through baptism, we have become, as Paul says, joint heirs in this kingdom. That God looks at us now as he looks at his own son through Jesus and what he did on the cross. That we have the inheritance of life. We celebrate the gifts that he has left us, his presence and his forgiveness and his provision in all things. Truly, we are blessed by the one who purely out of fatherly divine goodness and mercy has given us all these things as a true father would. And then Luther says, what is my response to all this? For all this, it is my duty to thank and praise, to serve and obey him. And ends, this is most certainly true. The Father, the one whom Jesus taught us in that prayer, 
to call Father. Not at a distance, not a label as provider, creator, or whatever else, but an intimate relationship that we have. The one who said, are not five sparrows sold for a penny, and yet your heavenly Father knows when one of them falls to the earth. And there's the fact, sparrows do fall to the earth, and God knows it. How much more does this heavenly Father know us and love us, as Jesus said? Are you not worth more than many sparrows? Things will happen in our lives and will overtake us. But God the Father, the one who has created this relationship, who has given us his name, a name of intimacy and relationship, will always be with us, will always defend us, will always provide for us. How we know we have failed as earthly replications of this as parents, but how great, as I said, it is to know that our Heavenly Father is the one who above all these things continues to bless us with the riches of His love through Jesus Christ, our Savior. You know, when we started the series, Credo, and as Pastor Mark and I were working to decide how we wanted to present it, I think first we began to look at the theological implications of the Trinity and the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and realized it probably would be a 52-week series if we were to try and break down each installment of what everything meant in the creed and each word. And then we realized what was most important was the relationship that we have been given in our baptism with the three persons of the Trinity, with the Son, with the Holy Spirit, and with the Father that the relationship we have is one that he has named us also. In that baptism, called us by a new name, given us that inheritance of life, that he numbers the hairs on our head, that he remembers our name forever, that our names are written in the book of life because of Jesus, our Savior, and his forgiveness and his love and his victory. Truly, we worship a God who is not distance, who is not a label, who is not someone that we don't know, but someone that we do know, who reveals himself to us in those three names, the Son who is our brother, the Spirit who is our comforter and our advocate in this life, and the Father who gives us all good things and treats us like dear children. May we always rejoice in the gift that we have been given in our baptism, the relationship that has been secured with the Holy Trinity, but more than just the Trinity, with the persons of the Trinity that are intimate in our lives, redeeming us, sustaining us, and providing us. Amen.